Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Hello. Hi, good to see you. Good to see you as well. How are you? I'm doing great. I just woke up. <laughs> but yeah, I'm very having a, a beginning of the great day. Good, good. Well, thank you for making it work. And hey, Clown Vamp, how are you? Bonjour. Greetings from Paris. How is it out there? It's great. Um, it's a lot of really wonderful uh, people being really nerdy about things that I really love and care about. And so it's it's wonderful. Hi, Emmy. Hi, big formal for NFT Paris. I really wanted to go there. Well, it's nice to meet you uh, over voice. Uh, we've never met before, but you know I'm a big fan. And so, Aston, thanks for, I'm you know. I'm a big fan of you. Oh, my God. Okay, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, and uh, I'm, I'm just uh, sorry for all the click clacking, just dropping the spaces on uh, a few discords right now. But I was thinking about it, like, this is such a cool Web3 experience. Like I'm sitting here in the US, Clown Vamp is in Europe, Emmy's in Asia, and we're all on here together talking about art. I know it's not really a normal business hours for you, Clown Vamp, but thank you for making it work out there. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and I'm really excited. It's actually been quite a some time since I've talked to artists about their new releases. And I've always really enjoyed doing this because you learn so much about the the process, your mindset, and I always come away thinking about, it shouldn't surprise me, but you all are so thoughtful and the way that you take your thoughts and emotions and translate them into the art is always so interesting. So I really do enjoy it and I'm glad to have the chance to do that today with you both. Well, we're, I'm glad that you invited us. This will be really fun and um, excited to, to nightcap with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, look, and, and I know it's late for you over there, Clown Vamp, so uh, let me just send one more. Uh, well, I'm like an Energizer bunny, so you're good. Don't worry about me. Um, are you, where are you calling from? Or, you know, do you, do you say it loud or is that a secret? No, no, I, I say it out loud um, because, uh, I'm sorry, one second. Okay, I say it out loud uh, because I don't think anyone's going to come looking for me. I live, in <laughs> I live in Kentucky in the oh, U.S., cool. not too far from Chicago for folks who are less familiar, um, but much, much smaller place. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm based in New York, which I think is on the same time zone as Kentucky, so. It is. Oh, I don't know. For some reason, I thought you were out in California, but. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I'm in Paris right now, but usually based out of New York. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. Yes, you're right. It is the same time zone. And uh, then will you all be going to NFT NYC? Oh, I will. Will you? Yep. I will oh, be there. Look at that. Look at that. How about you, Emmy? Are you going to be able to make it to New York? Um, I, I haven't planned yet, but, but um, yeah, I will think about it. I'm based in Tokyo, Japan. Uh but I would like to travel around the country. So when is the NFT NYC? 
So it's the it, first weekend of April, I think, right? Yeah, the first week. I mean, technically, the dates are Wednesday, April 3rd until Friday, April 5th. But I'm sure people will be going for the whole week and, and stay the weekend as well. I'm not making, making it. I'm actually going to Istanbul and Germany in April. Oh, that and sounds fun. Venice, three different countries. It's going to be my Europe tour. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome yeah, that is I'm, awesome I'm exhibiting in um, some venue so I'm going to be announced soon um, but I'm sure um, there will be the chance to go to New York uh, sometime so I would like to meet you Yeah, I went to New York last year twice I didn't know you were based on so Oh yeah, no, we'll hang next time you're here, for sure. Yes, it's my dream city. Yay! Well, I read Tokyo is the top of my travel list, so I may beat you to Tokyo, but um, um, at some come. point, we'll cross paths, yeah. And we got, we got direct flights. Funny. I know, 16 hours, right? Yep. I can no. handle that. And then you Not got to... lots of inspiration there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, cool. Let's let's jump in. And uh, you know, I was gonna say, Emmy, since you're gonna be an Arplox curated artist, perhaps Marfa is in the cards. A little more than sixteen hours, but a really cool experience. Uh, but let's let's jump into it. So, for everybody who is here, thank you so much for coming. For everybody who listens later, really appreciate you tuning in and listening to two of. Some of the, the best artists, and I don't say that with hyperbole. I think you both are just fantastic artists and uh, wanted to give you all a chance to talk about your art and ask you a few questions. So we are going to go in turn. Um, we'll start with Clown Vamp because Clown Vamp is currently in Paris and it's a little bit late there. So he's taking time away from, from partying uh, <laughs> at the Eiffel Tower to chat with us. So we we'll let you get back to that or sleeping or whatever if you want to stay, of course. But um, we, I want to start, excuse me, start off by talking about your release, which is coming up on the fifth of March on Verse, called Puppies, and puppies, uh, puppies which puppies. is obviously a crowd pleaser. Tons of people love puppies, um, but I'm curious, like, why did you decide to go with the concept of puppies? What was kind of your uh, genesis story? Yeah, so. Um, for context, the project is a series of 111 16K resolution, which we can talk more about, uh, AI photos of men with their best friends, which are puppies. And, you know, the images have anywhere from maybe uh, five dogs to 300, I think the most looks like it has about that. There's one sort of accidental cat, which, of course, was kept in. Uh, so there is some kitten representation, of course. Um but the series comes from a few things. I think one was my, uh, I have a dog that I've raised since he was a puppy. He turned 10 in December. He's a very, very cute Corgi, uh, like very sweetheart energy, has a bow tie. And I was sort of playing with some ideas around, I was like, maybe I should make like an oil painting portrait with AI for him, you know, like do a portrait unveiling. And I, I just sort of had had in my head this idea. And then at the same time that I was thinking about my dog and reflecting on it, I, you know, all these new additive upscalers came out, which for those who haven't seen these, basically 
there's these new sort of class of AI upscalers that split images into tiles and then rerun each tile as essentially a new generation and stitches it back together. And about a year and a half ago, you started to be able to do this using open source software. But now people have packaged this in a way that's made it a lot more powerful and flexible and intuitive. And what I was seeing was that there was this sprint that had sort of started with Midjourney 5.2 and now Midjourney 6, and then these, these new upscalers that really made pixel perfect possible. And as an AI artist, that really freaked me out because I think when something becomes perfect, it stops being as interesting. And so I had never done a full collection of AI photos. And I got really interested in this idea of like, what does it mean when AI imagery goes from sort of the weird and wonderful to the beautiful, the cute, the perfect, all these things. And I, one of the things that really kind of hit me was that, well, our social media feeds, which right now have become incredibly targeted and algorithmic and are showing us exactly what we want to see, are not just going to be algorithmic, they're going to be generative. So we're going to see exactly what we want to see. and It's going to be generated for us just in time, all the time. And my social media feed is all puppies all the time. And so I had this idea of like, hey, maybe instead of making one oil painting, I should sort of imagine my social media feed. I should sort of imagine, you know, five years down the road, I think it's more likely two or three years down the road, to be honest, like, what does it look like when I'm scrolling on Instagram and everything's AI and everything is sort of to excess. And so puppies is a project that's about excess. It's about what happens when we're confronting perfection and pixel perfection. What does that mean for us? And ultimately each image is meant to be so cute that it's almost a little creepy, but like just, just a little bit. And you might have to look really closely to get creeped out by it. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up making 111 um, 16K resolution pictures of men with puppies. And they're so high resolution that theoretically if you want it, I think you can print them up to like five feet by five feet. We're doing prints. They're a little bit smaller, but they're really, really ridiculously large. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was the genesis for puppies. Got it. I love that. That's awesome. And actually, that reminds me of my uh, my Reddit feed because I would just <laughs> go to the R uh, R like A W W like ah, and it was all um, you know, lots of dogs, yeah. lots of cats. I Awe is amazing. And it's, it's, you could literally just look at that all day. And that's, you know, already with the sort of seemingly infinite content that people have uploaded to the web, but we're literally about to get to the era where there's actual infinite content generated on the web. And I think, I don't think we've quite clocked how big of a shift that's going to be to how we consume media and um, how it's going to affect everything from aesthetics to our feelings to you know, how we react to things. Are we going to get desensitized? Like these are all the things I'm sort of playing with under this sort of cute veneer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then it, it, you know, the way you described it, it makes a lot of sense because on, on your post where you announced this, you mentioned this is an ode to hyper-personalized media. So since you are a fan of puppies, it makes <laughs> sense that there's a bunch of uh, men with puppies because that's kind of yeah. what you might expect to see in your future feeds. And, you know, uh, I would love to dig into this idea of a uh, hyper-personalized media, but I want to keep going into the art a little bit. Um, one thing I meant, I noticed is that, of course, uh, there's 111 pieces, but each of the uh, men, the humans in the subject is like fairly different, at least uh, in kind of like the clothes they're wearing, the colors. I'm curious, like, how did you think about matching the puppy to the subject or the type of dog? 
um, you, you match the colors brilliantly. They they seem to really pop out and uh, blend well together. They're juxtaposed really well. But yeah, like thanks. In terms of the yeah, types so, of dogs. So yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, so like you know, this might be super you know one on one for some people. It might be really interesting for others. But you know, most of the image generation models that we're using for this type of art are. Um, are based on averages. So it's about averaging concepts together. And this is why, you know, they struggle with things like hands because like actually when you look at a photo of a hand or a painting of a hand, sometimes you can see five fingers, sometimes you can see two fingers, right? So it actually really struggles with things like that because averages don't work well for that. Um, and so what's interesting is when you're working on something like this, you start to learn a lot about what the model thinks and what the model sees. And, you know, you'll notice um, that across the entire set, two things. One, uh, I worked really hard to make the men pretty perfect. I want it to be so when you look at the picture, the sort of center focal point is incredibly sharp and clear. And you kind of think, oh, this is just a really cute photo. And then it's when you look at the puppies and you look at there's, you know, some of these, you know, have like 200 puppies, you know, in these tiny sort of squares on the screen. I wanted you to realize that there's something kind of different or weird or off, or this is not quite right. It's not quite perfect. And what was interesting about that was the machine tended to sort of blur these things together. And so you'll notice there's, and there's a few of them where it's quite striking, where, you know, the men and the puppies kind of look alike. They have similar facial expressions. They have similar sort of facial shapes. And, you know, there's obviously all these sort of, you know, sayings about how people look like their dogs, all of this stuff, um, which I think is all really interesting. It's also clear that in the training data that's reflected right in the training data when you sort of bring together a person and a dog like they tend to look alike and that's sort of reflected in how we talk about dogs and imagery around dogs and all, all of these sorts of things and so um so yeah there wasn't much sort of intentionality behind dog breeds or, or that kind of stuff i did try and um create some different situations so you'll see if you go on the verse website you can actually preview the whole collection um which is really fun and you know, there's like astronauts, there's firefighters and, you know, it's like a firefighter, but then there's, I think like, it looks like about 80 puppy firefighters that are in little firefighter outfits. Um, and so I created different situations, but um, kind of left the machine to sort of do its thing from there. And that led to all sorts of interesting results. But I think when you look at them, you can sort of feel like, oh, wow, there's something about these or the, they look kind of alike, they look kind of similar. And that was really fun to explore. And it was really fun to see the sort of personality of the training data come through too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And as you say it, I, I see it more and, and you can see the similarities in their clothes. Although I, I will say there's one here that's like pretty unique because I'm going through it. Uh, it's, it's 39 on verse where um, there's a bunch of humans and then sort of like humans with puppy heads. I think that might be oh, yeah, yeah. like that. Um, yeah, there's some, I tried to go for, you know, like 90 to 95% perfect. And so some of them are, um, you know, pretty close to perfect. And some of them are a bit weirder. And there's some fun ones out there. There's one of uh, a man in sort of like a weird balloon tunnel. And, you know, outside the balloons, the puppy heads sort of come out of them. Um, and so there's some ones that are really strange. And then one of the things that was really important to me, and you can see this on the Verse website, if you bring it to full screen, but they're 16K resolution. So they're 16,320 pixels by 16,320 pixels on each side, which is really, really, really large. And so they're meant to be sort of experienced in full screen. 
And then I found this amazing printing studio in New York. And so what we're doing, which I'm really excited about is there's an optional print add-on where you can get the print at cost. So they're, um, you know, Hemimule fine art paper, um, their pigment archival prints, and you can get, I think the 40 by 40 inch, which is almost four feet by four feet. I think it's only like 200, maybe 260, $270. And then there's a 20 by 20, which is also quite big. That's um, $80. And so the idea was that, you know, they're sort of meant to be experienced in full screen. And then we actually here in Paris did a little pop-up preview and we had one of the 40 by 40s and it was like really insane and fun. And Rupe Rainstow came and, he got up and was staring at the 40 by 40 for like literally five minutes, which was sort of nerve wracking. And I went up to him and I was like, Rupe, is that like a good five minutes or a bad five minutes? Like, it's a really good five minutes. I was like, okay, good. Um, and so, yeah, so the amount of detail is kind of, you get really need to get it on full screen to really see the kind of nuttiness of it all. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I hope to be able to see one of these in full screen. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask, um, you know, why did you decide to have such high resolution and uh, sort of uh, such a large potential print size on these? So I think when I think about AI right now, one of the ways that you often can get kind of a giveaway that it's AI is just by zooming in, right? There's all sorts of visual artifacts that are apparent. There's usually sort of a, a loss of cohesion the closer and closer you look and now because of these new tile-based upscalers that have become just easier and more powerful at the same time which is always a deadly combo now that's changing and so here what i'm showing is sort of at a moment in time in you know february 2024 this is sort of the peak of what you're able to do from a detail and resolution perspective and if you zoom in on any of them you look fully close i mean you're literally looking at like the fur of puppies you're seeing like the glint on the reflection on the tongue and so i want to sort of show what's possible right before we reach this sort of singularity i guess where it's still really evident if you scroll through the photos that they are ai but it's not some of them it's kind of you might miss it if you don't look closely and even if you zoom in you might not fully recognize it or grasp that and so really showing the power of where we're at to me size was really important and just really making it big um and then i also just sort of selfishly you know think that like you know photos of men with hundreds of puppies is what you know we need more on walls so you know um you know make it big <laughs> i love that i love that um yeah i i really can't wait to see one of these hopefully new york will get a chance to see one um, and, you know, I, I want to go back I and mean, you talked a lot about the technology advancing. Uh, obviously, this is in the forefront of really a lot of people in the crypto world and, and certainly in the technology world. And you know, one thing that we as uh, non-artists always struggle to understand is, you know, how much of this AI art was done off the shelf kind of with mid-journey, right? And uh, obviously, I know there was a lot more that went into this, but can you speak to what what you did and maybe yeah, of course. describe how that goes far beyond what is commercially available? Because I think it's not only uh, interesting for us to learn about that, but I think also important to understand and uh, you know how much 
that you did put into this, but I know you put a ton of work into it. Yeah, for sure. So on a process basis, um, there's a couple of things I think are neat. One is we're at a point where I would do these sort of techniques a year ago and you have to, you know, use like Google Colab and or set up your own, you know, sort of GPUs and it's pretty hard. This stuff is becoming quite, is quite commercially available now. And so that's part of what I'm sort of playing with is this idea that we're right at this sort of precipice. And so, you know, Puppies was about a four month project. Um, I generated about 15,000 images um, to get to the sort of 111. And each image starts at 1028 by 1028. Um, so not huge, not tiny, but square images. And then I went through this process of doing this additive upscaling. The difference between upscaling, additive upscaling is upscaling is basically you stretch an image and uh, the pixels sort of fill in using either an algorithm or AI of what's next to each other. With additive upscaling, what it does is it splits it up into tiles. And then each tile, you actually can prompt each tile. Um, and you can essentially redraw additional details within that tile. And then it stitches back all the tiles together. And so for a set of pieces like this, which is really about these sort of vast you know, pictures of lots and lots of puppies. This is like a really ideal sort of way to use this technology. And so what I did then for each image is I did two to three passes of additive upscaling. So where I'm adding details using prompts and basically splitting up the image into lots of tiles, bringing it back together. The sort of primary tool that is really, really reason why we're sort of seeing this sort of rush to pixel perfection, perfection is this tool called Magnific which is really, really powerful. Um, and then finally I did a pass using more traditional upscalers to get it all the way to 16K resolution from usually about 8K or sometimes a little smaller. Um, and then each image was color corrected. Um, and so a lot of times when you do these processes, it quite messes up the color um, because you're essentially rerunning the um, image, you know, three to four times back through AI. And so the colors can often get a little screwy. So I had to um, do color correcting for all of it. Um, and luckily the curator in the show is this amazing curator, Adam Bernie, who's from Tender, which is a really wonderful kind of collector community that also does you know pop-up shows and galleries and art fairs and all these things. And he's a really wonderful and talented sort of post-processing guru. And so he was really helpful and hands-on with you know getting the images to this point too, where it's like the colors just really sing and really have the sort of vividness to them. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, you know, it was like four months of, you know, looking at just like every day, like hundreds of, you know, pictures of men with puppies. And so there was actually, which sounds really kind of idyllic, but there was definitely, there was one week in January where I had to take a break because my head just started, I was like going down this sort of like aesthetic, sort of spiral just like I was looking at pictures of puppies all day and I got kind of overwhelmed and I think that's a little bit that experience I had is a little bit about what we're all going to be facing when you know reddit you know slash awe is infinite and constantly looping and constantly generating things where you know can there be sort of too much of a good thing and I think the answer is yes and this is trying to sort of ask you to sort of look at that and entertain that question for yourself too yeah, well, well, thank you for explaining all of those different processes. And I want to get to your point about the hyper-personalized media, because I do have a question for you there. 
But just one really quickly follow up question on the process, right? So between, you know, just generating the images, right? The, you know, the, the 10,000 plus image or a uh, hundred thousand plus, whatever the thousands and thousands 15, of images, 15,000, yeah, 15, 15, yeah. 15, sorry. I was, was it 15 or 150, um, but between <laughs> generating those images and sort of whittling it down, maybe getting to a short list, um, refining some of those, then doing the upscaling and then doing all the post-processing after the upscaling, you know, like what, uh, however you categorize those steps, what percentage of your time would you say was in each bucket you know was it like 30 percent, 30 percent, 30 percent, or however you think about it like w which parts really end up taking the longest in this process um well you know i think we're talking really specifically about the craft of making images right which you know i think part of the fun answer to these types of questions is like a lot of my process is all the sort of conceptual art i do is like living life and experiencing life and all the sort of culmination of experiences and memories right and getting those weird moments of, well, that would be really crazy if, um, and then, you know, those ideas get translated into some sort of execution, right? Whether that's like images or like, you know, last year I did sort of a immersive performance and, um, you know, and so the craft side, you know, I'd say that, um, for this, you know, it's image based, I'd say, oh God, I don't know. It's maybe like 40% of the time is like, you know, generating the images and then maybe like 30 to 40% is upscaling them. So the upscaling is really sort of front and center here in terms of what I'm trying to show off is why the prints are so important. Why, you know, I'm trying to create this sense of when you look at it, it like for a second looks perfect until you look kind of closer. And then I'd say the remaining, you know, 10 to 20% is really just the color correcting, the post-processing, you know, getting those things right and, um, and, you know, managing some of the little, the little details of these things because the AI isn't perfect yet. Right. But it's really, really, really close. And I think this is why you saw when Sora from OpenAI came out, the preview of it, people really kind of freaked out because, you know, with Sora, you're creating 60 second videos that look, they don't look like perfect HD filmed on a red cam, but they look pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, images, we just saw Stable Diffusion 3 is now in preview and presumably gonna come out in the next couple months. We know Midjourney 6 and Alpha um, is hyper photorealistic. And so, you know, this time next year, I think the idea of sort of AI photography as a sort of concept, it's going to really look quite a bit different because I think when it gets perfect, it kind of gets uninteresting. Um, and so I, I personally kind of think this is the last few months that we're going to even be thinking about AI photography and the sort of way we've been thinking about it. And I think that's kind of, I don't know, interesting, fun, scary, stressful, all, all of the above. Yeah, I, you know, I, I first of all, th thank you again for answering the question. I know I'm getting to some detail, some of which might just be things that I'm interested in. Uh, hopefully other people find it interesting too. And uh, Dude, it's actually, your show. You, you, get, you get to ask any question you want. That's fair. I do get to ask a couple <laughs> selfishly. Um, but unselfishly, I, I have a follow-up question for you, but I would love to open up the space for anybody who has a question for Clown Vamp. If you're in the audience and you have a question, 
you want to ask him about puppies or perhaps the hyper-personalized media world we're going to get into <laughs> coming up here, uh, please request and we'll have you come up stage. We'll have about five minutes of questions before we switch over to Emmy just to be mindful of the Convams time zone at the moment. Uh, but I, as as uh, as folks uh, think about if they have any questions and requests, um, I'll go with mine. I first the reaction. I completely agree with you on the, um, the the photo realism that comes from the AI. I think what has made a lot of this AI art interesting is the fact that it is surreal. It it makes you do a double take. Uh, you know, you do notice that there's something weird. Like I'm looking at one of your puppies. This one's number fifty six, and there's uh, a gentleman who's got a puppy that's like coming out of his pocket. But then he's wearing a sweater, and sweaters don't have those breast pockets like uh, some other shirts do. So you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. And some, you know, some of them are wearing like masks, like ski mask type of things. Um, and you're like, okay, yeah, this this is kind of weird. Um, and I also think about the nice aunties release, the auntie verse mm -hmm. that came out, and you know that one didn't have as uh, so many artifacts or um, glitches, if you will. But clearly there was some absurdism, right? Like a, a giant cat in a sushi roll type of a thing, right? So, so it makes you do a double take. And I do wonder if we're going to see more of that as the resolution gets so good, it looks photorealistic that the artists themselves will infuse some very clear absurdity into it, um, not necessarily from the artifact standpoint, but more so from the scenery. Standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, and I think, I think as these things get perfect, people will be driven more towards concept um, and that concept definitely could be absurdity, right? There's all the sort of art history about how, you know, when photography became a thing, painters became more abstract and surreal um, because they were sort of trying to fight that perfection. And so I think you'll see the same thing in AI, but I do think where my mind goes with AI generally is I think that the most interesting kind of AI art that I'm interested in going forward is really around sort of edge of sort of where the tooling and technology is, which I think right now is really around um, sort of video, immersive, 3D, um, hyper interactivity. Like I'm really interested in like interactive art, I think is really, is really sort of fascinating. And there's, I think there's gonna be, once we sort of nail the frame, and when I say the frame, I mean still images and videos. Once AI sort of perfects the frame, I think inherently, you're gonna see that it's really gonna be about that bleeding edge of creativity that where are people pushing things? And then maybe more importantly, what is something that AI uniquely can do? Because right now, everything we do in AI is skeuomorphic. Like we're constantly, we're imitating things that have come in the past. And I think there's a really neat sort of ability to show and see like, wow, look what these tools can do. Look what the new ways that we can reimagine images is because of that. But I think once we move past that, we'll have those as more building blocks. Like a lot of text to 3D generators, for example, are really based on the same tech that the image generators are based on. They're just using them in a further sort of way. And so I think you'll start to see more AI native art formats, whether that's chatbots as art, where that's like immersive, iterative, generative sort of um, VR art. I think we're gonna see things get weirder within the genre of AI art. And then otherwise, I think we'll see that a lot of sort of traditional mediums will just sort of subsume sort of AI tooling within that genre. So, you know, Adobe Photoshop now has lots of AI filters and fill-in tools and all these sort of things. 
essentially at some point, every digital photo is going to be sort of an AI assisted photo, at which point the label doesn't really matter. So that's my prediction for what will happen with AI is that AI art is going to become really focused on the sort of bleeding edge of, of where these tools and technologies are going. Super interesting. Yeah, uh, th that makes a lot of sense conceptually. And I don't know, I can't imagine how it manifests exactly, but I think what you're saying makes tons of sense. Uh, Emmy, please, please go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to um, give give you the comment that about the puppies and these collections are so amazing. And I, I agree with you, uh, your future prediction and hyper-personalized um, people, uh, hyper-personalized media and people will constantly like generating the, their filter bubble. Um, yeah. They say we, we, we um, we are in the post-truth era, but uh, <laughs> uh, like a real post-truth era, it's kind of weird wording to say, but real post-truth era is uh, coming up. So um, I, I was thinking about people just watching Back to the Future, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, like episodes, like infinity episodes. Yeah. And if there is a like a video of the, um, some incident is happening on social media. Um, people gonna react. Oh, I'm not sure this one is like true or not. So I don't care about it. I'm just gonna watch my Back to the Future episode hundred or or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's really kind of freaking me out. But there's also right side, and we have to think about like both utopia and dystopia. And th this is kind of like a middle. It's a utopian mm -hmm. dystopia. So mm -hmm. it's very sync provoking and I really like it. Thanks. Um, I really appreciate that. And I'm a big fan of your work and how thoughtful you are with yours. So I really, that means a lot. And yeah, I think, I think that the part a lot of my art is about, is about even within AI is about, because I think a lot of AI art is sort of in reaction to AI. And I think mine's no exception. And I think I come from it from an angle of, um, there's sort of two truths. I think AI is probably the most radical, revolutionary um, expansion of opportunity we're going to see ever. I think you know you already see this now within our digital art community, where you know there's artists that I collect from who are AI artists who are in countries that I've never visited, who you know didn't have the computing power on their computer to run Photoshop, but they have the ability to connect to GPUs in the cloud and use these open source tools for free or nearly free to make incredible imagery or sometimes, you know, some sort of um, some kind of crazy, you know, sultry anime that I don't fully understand as a gay man, but I appreciate that some people appreciate it, I guess. And um, there's, um, but I think that fact that we're seeing these tools democratize image creation is really exciting and is going to lead to all sorts of new jobs and new ways that people are able to express themselves. And I think creative expression is a core human trait. On the other hand, I think that, you know, it's gonna be job destructive. It's going to create this sort of desensitization to what is real, that is gonna be really disorienting for people. And we have to get really serious about media literacy and how we do these things. And so I, I hold both of these truths. I hold both of these truths that I think AI is an incredible, amazing tool and unlock for humanity. And I also think that it's very, very dangerous. And I think that 
um, it's going to be up to us as people, as people who think about this stuff to make sure that it over time sort of arcs towards the positive. And, you know, I'm not a doomer, um, but I'm someone who believes that, you know, we have to sort of put in the work. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that, um, I mean, this is like fascinating points and, you know, this is in, in some ways a printing press moment, right? Where mm -hmm. now anybody can, rather than creating, uh, you know, text, they can create stories or easily digestible stories in the form of like pictures and, and videos. And uh, we will need to create social systems to help people figure out what is real and, and what is not real. And you know, teach people how to critically think and assess these types of things. And there's likely to be sort of a two steps forward, one step back where there is some time period where a lot of that is ambiguous and people fall for deep fakes and all this sort of stuff that is, is likely to come down the pipeline. But I have one last question for you, Clown Ben, before we switch to Emmy. And this is on the point about hyper-personalized media. And, you know, I understand what uh, there's a lot of interesting terminology being used here post truth, right? But I feel like part of the human experience, especially being tribal animals, is to have a shared sense of truth, a shared mm. experience, right? And if we move towards this world where, you know, everything that I see is hyper personalized, then you and I are literally not seeing the same thing, let alone interpreting the same thing in different ways. And uh, do you think that's what people really want, right? I mean, to some extent, don't we want to have? Uh, a as little as biased view of the facts and therefore we know that other people are seeing the same thing versus you know everything we see is, is different because the AI can make it different for us I, I think unfortunately the answer is we see with how people use these tools and use these new social media platforms that they want their sort of world they want their filter bubble they we see this with obviously TikTok and the for you page and just how you know the shift to an algorithmic feed where you don't have to be following people in order to see content has created this massive social media empire that drives sort of youth culture. You know, it's it's really, I mean, it's really shocking and fascinating all at once. Um, so yeah, I think unfortunately, you know, people people don't want unbiased you know stuff. They want stuff that they'll react to. They want stuff that they find interesting. And, you know, we all come to, to bear with our own sort of set of experiences and biases that change how we think about things. And I think that's also part of human nature. And so I don't think I have an answer. I don't think I have a solution. I think, you know, what I, what I want to do is get people to think about things. You know, that's what, uh, you know, men and puppies, that's what it's all about, you know, thinking. And um but yeah, I think it's going to be a really scary time. And I think it's going to be a time when there's a lot of societal shift. But I do think that somehow, I think it's going to be a big enough thing that people are going to work together to figure out what this all means and to figure out how to make it all work. And I'm optimistic about humanity's ability to find a solution, even if it's hard. So I'm optimist. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm an optimist too, and I will pose a optimistic potential outcome right you use the example of TikTok and these other algorithmic social media sites and it kind of it's like well it's giving people what they want right but i think to some extent it's giving people sort of what they are compelled and they can't hold themselves back from right like they they optimize for outrage 
just in the same way that I really want ice cream, right? Like my <laughs> own devices, like I would eat ice cream all the time. But what I really want is to be healthy and to not, you know, succumb to the, the lure of ice cream all the time, which uh, takes a little bit more. So, you know, perhaps that's the middle ground that we'll settle in some social media sites that get you what you what you wish you wanted for yourself, but, you know, maybe your lower self doesn't always get you type <laughs> of a thing. I would love um, that. I love that. And in the meantime, um, if you're interested in, in um, really colorful pictures of uh, men with AI puppies galore, um, the drop is happening on Verse, which is Verse.Works. It's a 24-hour ranked auction, which just means the 111 highest bids all get a piece, and but you get a rebate to pay the same amount as the lowest bidder of the 111. Um, the prints are optional afterwards. And the auction starts on March 4th and ends on March 5th. And uh, my DMs are, you know, over here. So if you have a question, definitely drop me a question. I'll be posting a bunch of previews next week. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay. I'm pretty awake right now, so I'm gonna stay. And Emmy, I want to listen to you. And I can't wait to hear about your project. But I may have to drop off at some point if I start to fade. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, absolutely, and. I will be publishing this on my daily updates, uh, the, the timing, everything. And uh, it, that is, again, folks, March 4th, 11 a.m. Eastern. You got 24 hours to get into the auction. So it ends March 5th. Um, check it out, First Thought Works. Thank you, Clown Ben, for taking the time. And yes, you're welcome to stay as long as you would like here. Woo! So puppies out of the way let's shift gears to uh magical maidens although melancholic magical maidens in this case which is the name of emmy's next release so this is going to be the next art blocks curated as with all art blocks curated it comes out on a wednesday 1 p.m eastern this is next wednesday february 28th 300 pieces and this is Emmy's first all on chain and most extensive collection yet. I'm curious to hear with the, um, you know, how it's the most expensive one. Uh, but you also dove into code for this one. You primarily used, uh, from my understanding, your prior works were primarily all done with AI. So um, I'm curious, what made you decide to switch up the, the tooling uh, and the medium here for this next release? Thank you so much. It was really inspiring to hear uh, Crown Band talk and uh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I actually, I started exploring and uh, creating pieces around the, at the same time I began um, exploring my work in AI. It's towards the end of 2022. Um, it was a sort of a weekend project for me. So. Um, editing like little by little uh, weeks that's um, progressing like very slow. Um, I've been like fascinated by generative art, especially the romantic notion of um, constructing artwork with the data permanently um, um, be on the blockchain. So I began um, like a um, receiving lots of feedback uh, from various generative artists. Um, I met uh, lots of generative artists uh, through the Bright Moment Tokyo, and it wasn't until like uh, last fall. So I finally got approved by uh, curation board and the whole process took about as, a, as long as take, you know, almost having a 
baby. <laughs> so it's like a seven months.、Um, yeah, it's, it's been really fascinating. And I, I'm, I've been always like passion for like researching pop culture,、um, especially the pre date of my birth.、Um, I, I've been a photographer when I was a teenager, and I'm also a musician. I dress up like an 80s idol and thinking about technology. So I, I'm constantly doing different media. Like I, I call myself a multidisciplinary artist. I, I'm kind of going like lots of different media, but um, constantly um, I'm pursuing、um, recreating. Um, retro future. So,、um, yeah,、uh, before AI, I'm also um, uh, started uh, my uh, my crowdfunding anime project called Shinsei Galbers,、uh, which focusing on um, making a, um, recreating 90s anime、uh, with future aesthetic.、Uh, so, and I met AI. In 2022, I, I actually uh, um, initially um,、uh, started exploring、uh, R again back in 2017, and I'm also utilized、um, some of the R E、um, deep learning、uh, for my music video back then, but、um, I wasn't really using that much, and I、uh, encountered Mid Journey. In 2022 and 2023 was really crazy, and there's so many opportunities,、um, such as like Christie's and something I've always wanted in 10 years. So it's been crazy life. <laughs>、uh, but I try lots of different media as much as I can. Wow, that, that's super cool. and I mean, it's amazing that in just a, a little bit over a year, you've gotten to create such fantastic art with these tools, which I think speaks to your,、uh, you as an artist, you know, and, and not you know, being able to switch over to using code or AI、um, or GANs, I guess a mid journey AI, which is different. I'm curious, like, how do you feel like your experience with AI as you were learning that kind of simultaneously with the code? Um, did, that, did that help or contribute to what you were doing with, with the code based work? And if so,、uh, how did it help? Yes, it, it really helps me. And I, I'm a very hyperactive ADD person. <laughs> so I, I'm actually、uh, really bad at,、um, you know, deep into、um, technology. Um, I, I'm really bad coder. I,、um, I'm always like messed up like one line and it, did, it didn't work. And that's something I can't stand it. So,、uh, this time I work with creative coder. And, but,、um, because there is an AI in 2023,、um, I could learn about coding with ChatGPT. At the same time,、uh, so I can,、um, you know,、um, direct to the、uh, creative coder、uh, with a specific word and also、um, 
I made a lot of inspiration board uh, with uh, mid-journey and stable diffusion. And that's something I want to make. That's something I want to um, fix a bit. And it, it was really um, easy to um, um, directing and that really helps me. And yeah, um, I believe, um, I also believe in not just creating art by myself, but like I love exploring like various possibilities. So, so the, my like big motiv motivation for this project is my desire to collaborate with Creative Coder. Got it, got it. Well, that is fascinating. And I'm sure both of those experiences just, you know, enhanced your creativity in general as you ran into the, the various constraints, both on the AI side and on the code base side. So let's let's dive a little bit into melancholic magical maiden. You know, what was your your vision here with this collection? You know, what what were you trying to communicate? to the collectors and uh, maybe you could tell us why you decided to make it this title you know why melancholic magical maiden thank you yeah it's a bit tongue twisting uh, to say uh, but my melancholic magical maiden um, my the initial spark for my creation was the desire to express the anime aesthetic like overflowing on the internet through recording and the theme of the piece revolve around the anime like the Sailor Moon where magical girls are um, combating um, bad guy, uh, which I watched uh, childhood. And however, uh, looking back, like these works are not only like highlight beauty, but also some extent um, um, impose like gender role. Like for instance, an anime I like, I like uh, back in Japan, um, it's called Wedding Peach. So that there's a story that heroine fighting in a wedding dress. And there's like also the anime where a magical girl turns the world with their charm. And like there's some, some weird uh, magical girl genre of anime. Uh, in 90s like um sometimes like they're like a cooking cooking um um cooking magical girl or like they even like raising babies and <laughs> so um you know i i think there's there's some same context in west i'm sure so like a disney princess and barbie though sometimes um they have like a duality so barbie empowered women but also um like put the stereotype of the woman and those kind of things uh, i was really interested because i cherish my childhood but there's some uh weird thing so um i wanted to uh be my work to include that um a touch of irony towards to societal pressure um, stemming from gender roles. So uh, combined with AI generated caption, um, there's a, uh, it's a mix of the, um, some kind of like famous anime quotes and, and this, um, 
um, the gender stereotypes and mix together and make it sound neutral. So it has a lots of irony. So I hope uh, collector first feel the sense of nostalgia, like visually, then reflect uh, the influence of childhood had had on them and. Even the culture is uh, unfamiliar. Um, I think the impact of say, um, yeah, um, you can relate uh, with Disney princess existed as well. And I believe the, um, you know, those pressures are, uh, aren't limited to the girls. Also like men face a significant um, gender pressure as well. So which I try to, uh, represent through the motif like uh, explosion scene, scene from Akira and some of the like mecha and robot aesthetic as well. Yeah, wow. This is, uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of the images here and I can completely see what you mean. And I think you, you did this brilliantly. I mean, it, it does look like that familiar anime aesthetic uh, when you just uh, look at it at, at face value. And it makes sense um, how you thought about getting all of these different uh, messages on there. Uh, and uh, I, I can't wait to see more of them uh, because I do want to see like the full set and, and the variety there. And that's actually one thing I wanted to tell folks is it, you can go on the Art Blocks website um, or you can go on sansa.xyz um, under drops and you can generate these because like long form gen art um it's it's the algorithm that is is creating the outputs here and you can get a sense of all the variety here uh and uh, am i correct then emmy in saying that the um it's kind of like that background you have here on uh, a tweet here that this uh background uh, uh noir the TV more, sorry, not noir, more, more patterns. More. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and is that the part that is generated through code? And then the images and the text are generated by the AI? Uh, images are also generated by code. So the text is generated by AI, um, but it's all through on chain. So um, if you look closer to the, um, all the motif, they're like vector illustrating and it's the detail is really amazing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, how, how did you get these robots to be generated in code? Like that's um, super cool. Yeah, it's a, there is a, some like drawing tool. I forgot the name, but um, my creative coder, uh, Eureka Sayo, she does amazing job. Um, I, I actually draw um, I actually uh, prompt on the mid journey first, then I show it to her and she created. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I, I prompt in machine once and prompt in human. <laughs> so it's, it is such an interesting process and yeah, it's, it's hyper, I think it's hyper complicated, um, generative works you ever seen in art box and then and it's um yeah um i actually spend uh 4.5 ETH to just mint them uh gas fee it's 
crazy. Uh, yeah, of course I did optimization, but that was like a yeah big file. Um, so there's so many, um, yeah, so many my affections are in in that. So yeah, and I minted all of the code um, day before yesterday, and that was really nerve-wracking process. <laughs> Uh, but this makes me believe that my work will become very rare. You know, I was too focused on detail and not thinking about the money. And uh, yeah, I hope well it's hoping to fail. But um, I, I think you know, no, no, not many people do that. So, but it's very, it's very cool. Definitely, and I, I, you know, I think it's fantastic to see you. Not sacrificing on the detail. I mean, it, it reminds me of what how Clam Clamvamp was uh, describing his desire to um, really uh, have a, a highly detailed output and a very specific experience for the collectors. So I, I commend you on that. And I, I have another question on it. I noticed that some of the outputs are in, not in English. I assume they're in Japanese, although I I don't. I can't tell, um, but why did you decide to uh, have, have have both languages in there? Yeah, um, I just have a. Um, um, I really love the typography of the Japanese uh, subtitle, so I think the initial output of this Melkoric Magical Meeting was just the moire and subtitle. And I, I tried to make a more pattern uh, with the, this TB uh, moire thing. Uh, but um, I, I got the lots of feedback for you, you, you have to be unique. Um, I was scared to make a lots of motif uh, because not many artworks collection have a, um, you know, um specific motif more, more like a abstract style so but i just keep going with my style and also um to make a pattern um it was really hard to think about the composition because because my um melancholic magical meeting is kind of um like a fixed so um um like subtitles should be in the bottom or top or something so um but i naturally um came to think about um maybe there are some japanese should be on it and because something i i'm familiar with is a japanese subtitle when i watch hollywood movie um, they're always like a Japanese subtitle and Japanese subtitle has some kind of um, like 90s Japanese subtitle has aesthetics. So I wanted to make mixing. Um, I was not familiar with the anime subtitle because I'm a native Japanese speaker, but um, I was just finding on um, there are so many Instagram posts that has a anime aesthetic um with a subtitle and i was really so it's cute so i i'm kind of mixing up 
a memory of myself and a memory of people who doesn't understand Japanese. So yeah, I, I hope my English is understandable. No, no, it, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. And I love that you included that in there. I think for, you know, uh, for us, it's great to see the expression from another culture. And I agree with you on the typography. It, it certainly adds something to it. And, uh, you know, from the collector standpoint, just uh, I, I've clicked through like hundreds of outputs here. It seems like the Japanese uh, writing ones are maybe a little bit more rare. Uh, I don't know, but I think that is something that, that people might uh, also enjoy being able to see that. Uh, and, you know, folks should should really go and play around with this. There's a few other rarities. Like I found one I really liked. It was kind of like a teddy bear in black and white. And there was explosions in the background. But I, I always like those black and white aesthetics. And, you know, I, I think this is actually a fantastic example of what we were talking about earlier with, with Clown Band, that, um, you know, people are going to find interesting ways to utilize the AI within their art. And this really feels very much so like a hybrid collection, not really only code-based gen art, but, but also the AI here. And the fact that you found a way to make it long form is, is really impressive. I think that's always been a question is how do you sort of infuse um, AI with uh, long form generative art since AI, you don't, you know, you don't really have an algorithm per se. I mean, I mean, you do, but um, it, it's a little bit harder. It seems like to put the boundaries on that. Uh, but with the, with that long ramble, I won, I, I, I had a follow-up question for you, Emmy, but I also wanted to open it up for anybody listening. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to request. Um, if you have any questions for Emmy um, or or even Cloudman, since he's uh, still up here, but you know, we'll, we'll start with Emmy. Can yeah, I ask please, a question? Yes, Emmy. Cool. Hey, Emmy. Um, I I thought it was really interesting. I was looking at your project page, and I loved all the different um, assets and the the randomization. And I thought it seemed like you were really exploring a lot around gender. And I was curious about using randomization and all these different gender motifs and how intentional that was and maybe if you could just expand a little bit on sort of some of the ideas you're playing around with gender because it seemed really interesting and really thoughtful. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, sorry, can, could you like break it, break it down the questions? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I was sort of curious, maybe just expand more on, it seemed like in the project page, you're exploring a lot of ideas around sort of gendered anime and how mm. those gender roles are sort of put out in sort of public in a pop culture. And so I'd love to just hear more about your thoughts on that and some mm. of the ideas you were trying to explore there. Yeah, um, thank you. Yes, um, yeah, I, um, I really love the um, 90s um, and a magical girl genre. And the magical girl genre is actually uh not only existed in 90s it's it's like from 60s they're always like a magical girl vibes and i think it's also inspired by um western culture uh, western fantasy um but magical girl genre um i i think japanese anime um um in general like they are trying to sell toy at the same time, so like a Pokemon uh, is selling game and Pokemon card. Uh, so 
it's there is always like a anime a uh, magical girl with magical compact magical um like a compact like a cosmetic and these things um are so shiny and it's a good memory i don't think i see lots of girly stuff nowadays uh i still do but it's compared to 90s but um maybe like i so those anime um influenced me to um you know become a, like I, i want to wear the wedding dress i want to uh you know uh be a mother something that it's very complicated i i i i don't know like i still love much girl girl genre of anime so um and also um barbie movie the hollywood um, popular movie that came out last year really influenced me to express the way of the you know uh feminism art in after 2022 so i don't want to be just like a criticize but also i wanted to show the duality and also i want you to feel uh i want to uh, i want the viewer to feel in their way so i don't want to you know uh push my opinion but yeah you can feel freely you can feel like a, oh this is beautiful or this is um i don't know um uh, disturbing beautiful disturbing at the same time and anything like i want to let viewer to be feel so i hope this is uh i'm not sure if it's no it's super uh, interesting your question yeah, it's great thank, thank you so you. much thank you so much yeah and thank you for the great question clown van um i i just have one question and if there's nothing else from the audience we can wrap it up but i i wanted to ask you i mean now having gone through this process uh, you've done a lot of ai art you now you know you've kind of code based you have this fusion um what do you think you'll do next you know or do you have any thoughts on you know maybe i'll try something completely code based or go back completely ai or, or do you think you might continue to fuse them in different ways yeah um i definitely keep creating with ai um next work going to be maybe um post photography again but i i'm very interested in making sculpture <laughs> so uh, i'm kind of saving money to uh, make a physical thing as well so i'm really interested in doing a physical show um and also i haven't make any music uh for 2 years but i got i book my recording studio next week so i'm going to uh, maybe release the song um but um because of the ai my creativity has been really enhanced and i i i think 
um, many people. Um, I don't think everyone has to be a AI artist, but like, like even if you draw yourself or if you collaborate with other creators, human, um, like AI really helps you. AI um, helps you ideation. AI teach you how to code, and I, I've been, um, I, I've been always ADD, um, lots of hyper hyperactive person, and this hyperactive hyperactivity really helps me, of like living in the AI era, living in an artist in the AI era. That makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think we're just really scratching the surface and utilizing these tools, um, both as a means to an end, but, but also as a, you know, the, the end itself, um, both as the end process and helping us with the other processes. So, uh, well, I am really excited for your release coming up again next week, the 28th of February. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern on Art Blocks, and super excited to see what you have in store next, and and you as well, Clown Vamp. And I just want to say thank you all for reaching out. Thank you for making the time and for sharing with us all. Uh, really appreciate you coming on here, and uh, you know, really appreciate everything you all are doing for the space. So thank you. It was super fun, and um, it was great to hear you, Emmy and Aston. Thanks for having us. You're wonderful, and uh, good night. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> All right, take care, everybody. Good night. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon, depending where you are. <laughs> and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on these releases. And yeah, come come back next Friday. Come check us. Well, not next Friday. I'm actually out of town for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm getting married. But in, in a couple of Fridays, come back and uh, we, we will be here. And, Congratulations uh, yeah. to your marriage. Thank you. Thank you. Don't say, tell me congrats in six months when it's going well. No, I'm just, kidding. just kidding, of course. Uh, but okay, thanks everybody. Hope you have a great rest of your Friday or Saturday, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.